There are those who say that they don't believe it can be affordable. But on the other hand, there is sufficient research that shows exactly how it can be afforded. I think, Sakina, it's really helpful to discuss um, and, and for your listeners to engage with the thinking around a basic income grant, however. Uh, many people use the term quite loosely and really what the Treasury, for instance, uh, includes when they, talk, when they talk about a basic income grant is what's really an unemployment grant. So we need to be very clear that the extent of poverty and unemployment in South Africa is so broad that, um, that we need to have look at a universal grant. We cannot just target because we have 14 million people who are not in employment or um, education or training. We've got 12 million people who are unemployed. And against that, we've got 12 million people who are employed. So um, while the question that you asked is whether or not uh, it's feasible to introduce a basic income grant, I think what we need to be realizing is that we need to expand our social safety net to include everybody in this country. The days for, t days for targeting, the days for trying to look at minimalist intervention are over. And I was with the Minister of Social Development yesterday, um, and that's exactly what she was saying, was that their engagement now at a cabinet level is about how do we ensure that nobody is left behind because the extent of the exacerbation of social unrest is something that worries many people after July's violence last year. And it's interesting to see that more and more people are actually, you know, uh, coming on board with regard to the idea of a basic income grant. Because I think, Isabel, had we had this conversation two, three years ago, there would have been a much more stronger pushback against the idea. But I, it seems as though everybody agrees that something needs to be done at the moment. So I was reading up on the various, um, you know, quarters and what's being said regarding the basic income grant. And of course, every time you talk about it, it is the question of uh, the feasibility but I was reading what the Democratic Alliance had to say about this as well, and they are proposing a taxless basic income grant. And they go on to, and I just want to run through some of the things that they are um, uh, actually mentioned here about what needs to happen, where the cuts and the savings need to happen in order uh, to perhaps, you know, have this materialize. They talk about um, 140 billion rand uh, that will be saved uh, to the fiscus from freezing the wages of public servants not covered by occupation-specific dispensation, uh, 60 billion rand from cutting uh, millionaire managers' positions in government, 15 billion saving by cutting the new development uh, bank funding by 5 billion each year, uh, uh, 3.5 billion slashing of VIP blue light security, 8.4 billion from digital spectrum auction, etc., etc. Now, if we look at that, and 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 if you would calculate all of the savings that they just come up with in that list, how much do we actually need uh, for the basic income grant every year? You know, there's a question of costing. Depends again on what the format of the basic income grant is. And according to the research undertaken by SPI, we've costed for a universal basic income uh, 1,300, which is uh, basically the upper bound poverty line, and 500 billion per annum. But I think, Sakina, it's really important to recognize that what we're not arguing for is a cut to existing state expenditure. If you see, if you compare state expenditure over the last 
30 years globally, we can see a consistent decline in public spend. Um, and essentially, the, the bulk of national income has gone to private profits. And that's at the heart of it one of the problems for the huge levels of inequality and the unsustainability of income distribution in this country. We're not saying spend less. We're saying that government needs to be spending more. And if what we're needing to unpack is the way in which the macroeconomic framework has been used consistently to close down on government expenditure. If government doesn't, close, doesn't crowd in expenditure, we see the private sector sucking it out and closing it down. We need rand for rand to be increasing circulation of, of spending. And, I mean, we've spoken before about the multiplier impact uh, for every government rand spent uh, through social grants. We can look at a 1.5 return. So we're not saying that the, the, the state spend on public goods needs to be reduced. And the gimmicks of, of the DA are clearly sort of uh, electoral fodder, which we don't need to go into right now. To the Minister of Finance needs to be, you need to be spending strongly, you need to be spending correctly, um, and you also need to be looking at ways in which we can increase the expenditure. A government will never run out of money. And so, you know, this whole concern about the fiscal crisis is self-imposed. We know that globally no country ever raises enough money before its budget is announced. When revenue comes in, when we were arguing for the 350 grant in October, Treasury said, oh, we might not have enough money, we might have to raise taxes. And now the messaging out there is that there is sufficient money without raising taxes. So there's vast uh, money is, is trapped. And we are not saying be irresponsible in terms of fiscal allocation, but the money is there just doing no good by not being spent. People are increasingly going hungry. Um, and the, the, the mix of these two is a universal basic income grant. Uh, Sakina, you said if we'd been talking three or four years ago, we did talk three or four years ago about this. And I think that you and I will both conclude that there's a far more um, accepting and, and open environment uh, right now for this kind of uh, policy to be adopted. So I hope that we continue to talk until it's victory. So, Isabel, you know, so much uh, in terms of what you've just said, but of course we can't get into all of it. I think uh, for many people, when we talk about government spending more, um, the, the the concern around that would be, what exactly is government spending the money on? If you look at the loans from the IMF and uh, the World Bank and the EFF marching to Parliament this uh, um, this morning, it's around government not taking out any more loans because I don't think people would be against government spending more money. Um, government will have to spend, as you say, but we have the situation whereby there's so much corruption. If you look at the money that came through for uh, fighting this COVID-19 pandemic, how much of that has been lost through corruption? And the reality is that somewhere down the line, we're going to have to pay that debt. I think you're right. I think there is a huge public unhappiness about state spend because of the way that it has been allocated. The World Bank loans, and particularly the World Bank loans, the other international finance institutions don't have this requirement. But the World Bank loan required that there be broad consultation ahead 
um, of the signing of the conditions, and that didn't happen, although the representation was made by government that that kind of consultation did happen. So I know that civil society, I would imagine business and labor as well, are being very proactive about saying, you can't say that you've done this in our name when you haven't. So there is a, a justified demand that before we commit uh, that, that taxpayers, and, and we're all taxpayers, we all pay VAT, that, that South Africans are taken into confidence as to why suddenly this money is required seemingly overnight and what it's going to mean for our own sovereign ability to decide on our, on our budget in future. Because that's the problem. If you look back to the structural adjustments uh, in developing countries in the 80s and 70s, the World Bank sent and IMS essentially said, to governments, you can't spend on public goods because you've got to cut that so you can repay your loans. When I say that we need to be spending more, it's precisely on the, the, the social wage. We need to be spending better on education and health care. And yes, there are huge problems in the service delivery on that. But because the service is being badly delivered, we can't fall into the rut of saying, let's claw back the state and give it to the private sector. Because the private sector operates for profits. I mean, that, that's, the, that's the business model, to, to use a pun. Where the state is not performing, we need to say the state needs to be held to account to perform better. But you cannot say people are not entitled to medicine because the chemists are not feeling in, in an appropriate level. But I think often we conflate these arguments. We need to have a capable state. The state needs to have enough money. And we, the citizenry, need to ensure that the democratic process is happening, that members of parliament and, and others with political power hold to account the public servants whose taxes, uh, whose salaries are paid by our taxes. Isabel, if I could please ask you to just hold like uh, for two minutes. We need to go to headline news. But I just want to ask you to explain to us, you know, what you mean when you talk about a a universal basic income grant, Uh, because uh, someone just asked me that. So perhaps we can just look into those definitions as well. Uh, Isabel Fry is the executive director at the Studies in Poverty and Inequality Institute.